text this morning will be verse 3 of chapter 5 in 2 Kings. Second Kings 5, verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. We have here the life-changing words of an unassuming Israelite girl. These are words of truth, of hope, and of healing. And if I could say, spoken by a young preacher, the Bible clearly speaks that there's a distinct call for ministers or uh, ministers of the gospel that are called to represent Christ in the uh, office of a prophet or a preacher. And um, we recognize when we stand behind this pulpit, we stand before the living and the dead, declaring the word of the Lord with the grace of God. But there's also, in the Bible, we see that we are all called to be preachers. Uh, we're all an epistle, known and read by all men. We are called, if we have been saved, we're, uh, uh, we've been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, peculiar people, special people, called to show the praises or the virtues of God to our generation. So here in, in this verse we have, we can say one leper, one preacher, and one message of healing. If we look at the same verse again, perhaps we could say we actually have one leper and two preachers. We have the young maid, the young uh, little girl, and then we have the prophet Elisha, and yet still one message of healing. But as we go through this account, as this account unfolds, we actually notice there's still one leper, but several preachers. There's the young maid, there's the prophet Elisha, then there's uh, Elisha's servant, and also Naaman's servants. They're all echoing a message of healing. And as I've pondered this text more and more, I'm amazed at the lengths God goes uh, to, to reach one's soul. That the grace of God reaches out, and we've seen in this beautiful account, uh, to a man, a man of war, a man that is sick and needs the grace of God. He wasn't looking for God. God came looking for him. And God orchestrated these events, and if I could call them touches of grace, where God orchestrates people in our lives to speak a word for him. We are called to speak a word, to preach, if you will. And how God uses these moments in time in this man's life, Naaman's life, to bring him to a point uh, that where God opens his eyes. If you look at the end of the account, we see what God did for this man, Naaman. Not 
just the physical healing. In verse 15, we say that we see that he says, Behold, now I know that there's no God in all the earth but in Israel. We see in verse 17, he says, Thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. We see that his heart was changed. Not just his body healed. So first, we consider this first young preacher, the little girl. Not much is known about her. We don't know her name. We don't know her age. But we know she was a victim of Syrian raids in Israel. Uh, she was a young Jewish girl who had been taken away from her parents, from her family, from her home. The Syrians were hostile uh, enemies of Israel. They raided the territories, and they brought back uh, things like grain or cattle, even individuals as prisoners. Um, it is very likely when uh, Israel was raided this time and this little girl taken, very likely her parents, her family could have been killed and she was taken. But we do know that she was a captive and she was the servant or the maid of Naaman's wife. Verse 1, which we read in our scripture reading, tells us that uh, introduces the leper. Naaman, he was a great man, the captain, the general of the Syrian army. By this world standards, Naaman was a very successful man, an honorable man, mighty man of valor. He was respected by the king. He was a warrior. He was respected by the Syrian people, commander, a, a brave conqueror. Naaman had an impressive resume by this world's standards. But the verse 1 concludes, but he was a leper. Leprosy was a dreaded disease. Uh, it took on various forms. In Bible times, there's no cure for leprosy, no cure for leprosy, except through God. <laughs> um, some forms of this disease uh, were contagious, and lepers in Israel actually were immediately removed from society. Um, but in the Syrian uh, laws, there, there are no laws requiring quarantine. We're familiar with being quarantined. So uh, Naaman was able to continue uh, going about his life. Perhaps the disease was still in the early stages, localized per se, uh, perhaps because when he refers to it later, we could get that idea. Um, the fact, though, that this young maid was concerned about Naaman and also the king indicates that likely his leprosy was fatal. Leprosy in the Bible is a symbol of sin. Similar to leprosy, sin is an inward disease. It runs deeper than the skin. You can cover it up on the surface. You can conceal it for a while. But eventually it manifests itself and it will bring a man down. Leprosy similar to sin is loathsome. It's a separating disease. It separates men from God or human beings from God. But it also separates families, destroys families. And leprosy was a physical disease. Sin is a spiritual disease that brings eternal death. And there's no cure for sin. Except through the King of Kings, through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Lamb of God, who shed his blood for all of you. 
sin, but through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. This little maid showed such great compassion and concern uh, instead of animosity towards her master. She could have had plenty of reasons to be discouraged, demoralized, resentful, even bitter towards her master. Remember, they were hostile enemies, the Syrians were to the Jews. But the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and the New puts love and compassion in the heart of the human being that is transformed. Even for your enemies, there's love. After all that happened to her, she could have even doubted God. But instead, we have these beautiful words spoken by this little girl. Words of faith. Words of a trust. Words of faith in the healing God. But the God that heals. The Syrians had successfully taken this young girl from her home from her family, from her friends, even away from her prophet, if you will, the prophet of God, from church. But they could not take away the faith out of her heart. It's amazing how God used this little girl to bring the, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the healing grace of God to man that didn't even know there's a possibility for healing a Gentile man. With God, my Lord, was with a prophet that is in Samaria. And her simplicity and total confidence, assurance in God, assurance in the man of God, uh, there's a prophet in Israel, and if only my master could get to Israel, somehow, this is her message, the message of healing, simple message. If, he can, if your husband could only get to Israel, get to the man of God, he would heal him. Your, your, your husband would be healed. Not might. Excuse me. He, it's not just a possibility that he may be healed. He would be healed. The gospel message still offers healing. It's still a life-changing message of cleansing. If you only can get to the prophet of all prophets, Jesus, he would heal you. He would cure your sin problem that you can't get rid of. If you can only get to Jesus, uh, you don't have to settle for defeat. It's not hopeless. It's not helpless. Carnality can be cured. That inward disease that, you, that, that you, you're trying to get rid of, but you can't. And it causes you to produce sinful acts against a holy God. And you want to get rid of it, but you don't know how. If you can only get to Jesus, he will cleanse you. He will deliver you. He will destroy that sin nature and bring healing. We see here with this little girl like Joseph in Egypt. Like Daniel in Babylon, this captive girl becomes the instrument of Jehovah to make Jehovah known to the heathen. You know, it's possible to at times for us in this dark world, perhaps that we're in hostile territory. But take good courage. Maybe this is our opportunity to shine. Maybe it's our opportunity to share the healing message of Christ with those around us. 
Well, Naaman hears the message of this little maid, and she, he shares it with the king of Syria. And we read in verse 4 that he went and told thus and thus, or this and this. What did the preacher say? This and this. What does that mean? It means it's a healing of, a message of healing. The king, not only that Naaman believed the message, the king believed the message. And he sends Naaman to Israel with the letter of introduction to the king of Israel and requests that Naaman would be healed. You know, it's interesting at times uh, society looks to the king to bring healing for sin sin's problems, but no letter from a king will ever, earthly king will ever heal sin, except this letter, the word of God, you look, thy word have I heard in my heart that I might not sin against thee, this book will free you from sin, thank God for the simple message that God speaks to each one of us, perhaps he, if the king was convinced that uh, uh, that the king of Israel would command Elisha to heal him. Well, the king of, we read the text, the king of Israel re responds, he rents his clothes. Is he looking for a quarrel? Am I God? That's right, only God can heal sin. And the news somehow gets to Elisha, the prophet. And here's his little message, his little sermon. Let him come to me now, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Uh, that reminds us of Jesus' message. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Your soul can have rest. Your sin-sick soul, your soul that is, uh, your conscience that does not have rest because you're rebelling against God. And you want to find peace, but you don't know how. Jesus says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. So, Naaman finds out what, where the prophet lives, and we read that he comes with his horses, with his chariot, with his entourage, and stood at the door of the prophet Elisha. I'm sure anticipation was high. How has your anticipation been for these meetings? We have an expectation. And in this case, Naaman's anticipation was high. The moment he had been waiting for, he had traveled a long distance, and he comes to the porch of Elisha's house, ready to see a mighty miracle performed. The famous prophet is going to bring uh, healing. Well, to his dismay, the prophet doesn't even come out. Instead, he sends another messenger. Here's another preacher. You know, it's not about, and we see this in, in, in this text just right here and throughout, that it's not about the messenger, it's about the message of healing. It doesn't matter if Elisha, the main prophet, says it, or the servant, it doesn't matter, the message is from God, and if you take heed to the message, it will bring healing. So the servant tells him, I go and dip into the Jordan River seven times, and shall be seems insulted here. Um, the prophet didn't even come out to give him a proper, proper greeting. After all the effort and, and all that Naaman went through, 
shows up at the prophet's house, and the man of God doesn't even have time for him, and he's insulted. There's some respect due to me. You know, I was thinking, Naaman was faced with a question about the prophet, which we also are faced with. What is our estimation of the prophet or the preacher? Do you want a preacher, Naaman? Do you want a preacher that uh, will tell you what it takes to be healed? Or do you want a prophet that will uh, appeal to your ego or make you feel good about yourself, pat you on the back, tell you that you're important and we are important to God, believe you in your sin, or do you want a prophet that will tell you you need to repent, you need to come down, Amy, you're too high up, God can heal you until you come down. There are preachers today it seems in Christian, that contemporary Christianity, there's more emphasis on the personality or the style of the preacher instead of the substance. The doctrine, the teaching, the holy doctrine. Uh, holiness comes, uh, uh, speaks to the holy, uh, to the to soul health. And, and instead of focusing on the substance of the message, we can get distracted by the messenger. Well, thank God for Naaman's friends and servants, those close to him. Naaman was angry. He went away. Uh, he was wroth and went away in a rage. You know, it doesn't feel good. I would rather have, as a preacher, make you feel good and tell you the truth. Of course, we want to speak the truth in love, and we do. But if you have cancer, and you go to a doctor, do you want him to tell you that you have cancer? Do you want to, uh, want him to just tell you that you're okay? No, if, if you have a disease, you want the doctor to come in and deal with it and provide the cure. Naaman thought. I thought at least the prophet would come out. He would uh, stand before me, uh, do some magic trick, or do, do, put on some performance, touch, touch my infected uh, side or arm, whatever, wherever the disease was, and bring healing. Don't I have better rivers back home? Naaman brought a lot of money with him. You know, look, to a little, some estimate between a million and three million dollars to pay for his healing. He found out his money can't buy it. No sum of money can bring healing to your soul. He was prepared to pay a lot of money, but he was not prepared to humble himself. Isn't that amazing? He was not prepared to humble himself and obey all our wealth, all our riches, all our earthly treasures will never heal hate or bitterness or pride or will never bring deliverance from sinful lusts. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sin. And all its conditions. Well, Naaman's servants speak to him. Here's another message. The servants came near, spake unto him, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldn't thou have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Another message of healing. Just wash and be clean, Naaman. That's the message. The gospel message is that simple. Be washed in the blood of Jesus. 